through 56. And as we go through Advent, uh, we'll be looking at the songs, if you will, of, of Jesus' birth. And in Luke, there, there are four, I'll call them songs, but they're expressions of praise. Uh, this morning, we'll, we'll uh, go through Mary's uh, song of praise. Uh, next week, uh, it, we'll look at Zechariah. Zechariah is the, the father of, of John the Baptist, and, and we'll look at his a uh, little later in the chapter uh, we'll look at the angels and their praise when Christ was born, and then also Simeon uh, a few weeks down the road when, when Christ is presented in the temple. There's these four uh, outbursts of praise, and we'll look at them one at a time, and we'll start with Mary this morning. Now, this is uh, often called the Magnificat, and that's a Latin word. It, it's the, from the word magnificent. That's... Uh, uh, where we get that, and, and what has happened, let me uh, lead into this a little bit. What has happened is uh, God had spoken to all the prophets, uh, and for about 400 years then, there was nothing. Uh, God had stopped speaking through the prophets. God was certainly active in what was going on, but he just wasn't speaking anymore. And then, uh, after being silent for about 400 years, all of a sudden, uh, he speaks again, and he sends his angel to speak with Zechariah about the birth of John the Baptist, who had been prophesied. And then uh, the angel Gabriel came and, and spoke to Mary about this child that, that she was going to have, and, and that this was uh, the Messiah. And, and so Zechariah, his, his wife, is... Uh, woman by the name of Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is beyond childbearing age, and she is a relative, actually, of Mary. Um, but Elizabeth uh, is, is with child. And in fact, she's about six months uh, pregnant as Mary uh, catches up to her. You notice at the end of the passage, Mary uh, stayed with her about three months and, and then went back to her hometown. Um, so she left probably just before John the Baptist was, was actually born. But, but Mary, on the other hand, she's quite young and she's unmarried. Uh, but the angel said uh, that you too will have a child and, and she didn't know how that was going to happen. She had done nothing uh, to have a child. Well, uh, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, uh, the, the scripture says, and and uh, she will bear the, the Son of God. Um, and this will be the, the descendant of King David, uh, who will reign over the house of Jacob forever, as the angel had said. Mary is a descendant of, of David. Uh, so in other words, this is the Christ, uh, the Messiah, that Mary will give birth to. And as Mary goes to Elizabeth to tell her the news of what's happening, uh, Elizabeth, uh, her, the, the baby in her womb, leapt. Uh, John, John the Baptist uh, leapt in her, her womb out of excitement. And, and Elizabeth herself, uh, you know, burst out with excitement over this, this child that Mary is carrying. And, and this excitement all centers on Mary's baby. And so then Mary uh, bursts out with her praise. And that's what we will read this morning in Luke chapter 1, 
I will begin at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. The word of the Lord. As we read these words from Mary, um, we are reminded that Mary is a teenager, perhaps a, a young teenager. And we look at these words and we notice they're beautiful. And it's insightful. Uh, they're theologically wonderful. They're great words that this young girl has spoken. And of course, when that happens, there's critics out there who say, well, something else must have been going on. Could a young girl like Mary uh, actually speak these, these kind of words? In fact, as uh, one uh, theologian put it, uh, William Hendrickson, I believe, he wrote predictably, due to its greatness, some critics have howled that the song could not have been sung by young Mary because it is too theological, too packed with Old Testament allusions, too carefully structured, too poetic, too subtle, too finished. They'll find reasons why they don't like this song. It couldn't have been sung or it couldn't have been uh, proclaimed by Mary. Well, there are a couple of things going on. First of all, we cannot forget the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who uh, inspired all of the prophets and all of, of the apostles that wrote God's word. And the Holy Spirit certainly is working in Mary. And also, there's a reason Mary was chosen. She's a Jewish girl, which she had to be. It, it had to be a, a Jewish, uh, the Messiah had to be Jewish. But she's also a very bright young girl, or a bright teenager, let's call her that. And brought up in, in the Jewish tradition and elsewhere in scripture, we kind of notice that she's an insightful girl. She, she ponders things uh, in, in her heart and thinks about things. And, and she's bright, and, and she would have known uh, a lot of the Old Testament scripture, especially the, the songs of Hannah from uh, 1 Samuel, or Deborah uh, in the book of Judges, uh, David. She would have known the Psalms quite well because they were customarily sang on feast days. And she was brought up in that tradition. And, and Hannah's song in, from uh, 1 Samuel is, is particularly evident in what Mary is, is uh, 
proclaiming here. Now, Hannah, by the way, she was barren. She was much like Elizabeth, actually. She was barren beyond childbearing age, but she prayed fervently for a child. And uh, Eli, the priest, saw her praying and said, you will have a child this time next year. And, and uh, Samuel was born, who was a great prophet himself. And, and her song, which is found in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, has many of the same ideas. You know that Mary has, has read that and knows that quite well. Also, um, we know that Mary knows uh, Old Testament uh, scripture. In fact, one uh, wrote, every line of, of Mary's uh, praise here has a counterpart or allusion to the Old Testament. And I won't even try to name them all. There are so many. And Mary knows all of this. And we have to remember, she had about a three or maybe four day trip from where she lived to where Elizabeth was. And so she had time to think about what this angel Gabriel had told her about her child and then ponder all of these Old Testament prophecies for three and four days. And so it was all on her mind as, as she approaches Elizabeth. And, and as I mentioned, much, much of the Old Testament is here. We, we can see a lot of the Psalms in here. Uh, First and Second Samuel, uh, Isaiah, Job, Genesis, Exodus, Micah, I could go on. Um, it, it's all, uh, she, she knows this. And so she's been uh, pondering these things as she goes to meet Elizabeth. And then, as I mentioned, as she walks in and, and Elizabeth is joyful and, and Elizabeth's baby is joyful, uh, Mary breaks out. In verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. And that could be translated, uh, makes or declares great or uh, enlarges or exalts. We could uh, say it this way, it proclaims the glory of the Lord. My soul proclaims the glory of the Lord. It's not that she can make God bigger. But as she has been thinking of his greatness, her soul is, is elevating uh, God in a way. It, it, it's, it's just playing out in everything she does. Others can see uh, her, her glory uh, for the Lord, how she praises him. Uh, in Psalm 34, 3, uh, there's a great verse. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It, she lays out a great example for us. Let us magnify the Lord together. She thinks of his greatness as she recognizes in verse 48 her humble estate or her lowliness. In, in relation to his, his greatness. And we do remember that Mary was a poor girl from a city that nobody really cared about, didn't think anything good is going to come from Nazareth, really. Uh, she's betrothed to a carpenter who, uh, he's just a carpenter, no, not, no, uh, great uh, line here. She, they do come from the line of, of David, but as, as the angel visits Mary, there's nothing spectacular. 
And, and she recognizes that about herself and, and, and Joseph. But, but here, uh, God comes to her. And, and she, she says in verse 47, my, my spirit rejoices in, in God, my Savior. And she brings out that word, my Savior. In Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 21, the angel was speaking to Joseph and was talking about this baby that Mary was going to bear. And, and the angel uh, told Joseph, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. He is the Savior. And Mary recognizes this. This is the one who will save uh, people, his people, from their sins. And hang on to that, his people. We're going to come back to that thought here in just a couple of moments. But Mary recognizes uh, her role in God's plan here and what God is doing uh, through her. And also what it means for others, because this was part of the prophecy that, that this was going to be something from generation to generation and, and nations will be blessed. And so her, her thanksgiving expands in verses 49 and 50 um, when she goes from, from me. You notice in verse 49, for me, and then at the end of verse 50, uh, from generation to generation. She understands these prophecies that, that have, have, are coming true that they're happening. And she blurts out in, in the middle of that and, and at the end of verse 49, and holy is his name. Holy is his name. And this is an easy statement for us to, to overlook. To be holy is to be separate. And we think of holiness as, as separated from sin. And, and that, that's true. But we also need to Think about that word a little bit more and understand it from the Old Testament perspective as Mary uh, has the Old Testament perspective being brought up in it. And, and there to ascribe holiness to God meant to lift him, uh, lift him infinitely high above all creatures. He is so far removed from who we are uh, Herman Bavnik, a, a great uh, Dutch uh, theologian, Reformed theologian, uh, he once wrote, holiness, when ascribed to God, was not considered to be an attribute to be coordinated with the other attributes. In, in other words, it's not just a thing about God, but it's his, it's his nature. He is completely above, infinitely above all of his creation. He is infinitely pure. And, and being holy, he can have nothing to do with sin. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, he uh, saw the angels and the Lord sitting on the throne. And Isaiah, who we would consider to be a pretty good guy, he cried out, Woe is me. I I'm a man of... of uh, unclean lips and, and I live in this sinful world and when he saw the holiness of God and, and who he was he said woe is me I should be destroyed 
right now. His very nature is so much better than anything I, I can imagine. And, and Mary understands kind of this, this uh, terror, if you will, of, of holiness. And that's why she uh, says in verse 50, his mercy is for those who fear him. Remember earlier I, I mentioned the angel said to Joseph, he will save his people from their sins. Well, who are his people? Mary gives us part of the answer right here. Those who fear him. Who understand that this God is so pure and so wonderful and so opposed to sin that our sinful nature uh, trembles in light of it. Uh, one theologian writes about those who fear him, and I quote, that is, to those whose heart and mind are filled with reverent regard for God, for the genuinely devout, the truly pious people, like Isaiah was. He was a pious person, and even he, when he saw the Lord, said, woe is me. I am a sinful man. And God is so holy and so powerful. And when I think of, of God's power, it's just unimaginable, really. You know, I was uh, reading, this is a couple years ago, uh, a book uh, by an astronaut. His name is Mike Massimino. Uh, and actually, my son checked out the book from the library, and I started reading it, and I ended up reading the whole thing. It was very interesting. It's called Spaceman, and it has a, a long subtitle, but Spaceman is, is the main title. And in this book, he describes um, his, his thing, his, his time as an astronaut. And, and that launch, he was up twice in the space shuttle, Launch was the most terrifying of, of all things because uh, you would walk into this spaceship and you knew basically you were strapping yourself to a bomb, a huge bomb, and you would sit in this seat and it was for hours. It's not like you just turn on the ignition and fly away, but they, they strap you in and, and he said you, you sit in this seat and they're going through this checklist and, and you're sitting there for a few hours. You know, okay, is this going to go? Yep, yep, everything's working. And, and then the, the countdown, the, the 10 second countdown, and then you feel things starting to shake and, and he, he called it the monster coming alive as, as there's this uh, shaking and, and when you lift off on the space shuttle, uh, before you ever clear the tower, you, you go from zero to 100 miles per hour before you ever clear the tower. And the, the acceleration never stops. Uh, you just keep going. He said by eight and a half minutes into the ride, uh, he was going 17,500 miles per hour. And he, he described it this way. He said it was unreal. I felt like some giant science fiction monster had reached down and grabbed me by the chest and was hurling me up and up and there was nothing I could do about it. And he was quite funny in describing it. He said, all that training about what to do if something goes wrong, that's just to make you feel better because you're going to die if something goes wrong. You're sitting on a bomb. They, he said they even have manuals in there if something goes wrong, what to do. He said, that's just something to read until you die. 
there is so much power there that you can't do anything about it. And when we think of that kind of power and how scared uh, the astronaut was sitting there, that's child's play in the hand of God. He's got infinitely more power than that. And when we contrast that to Mary's experience, it's not some science fiction monster reaching down and hurling her into outer space, but it's the real God of the universe coming to her as a baby in her womb. What incredible power God has. And she recognizes that. In verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the, the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, brought down the mighty, exalted the humble, filled the hungry, and, and the rich he has, has sent away. He, she, she contrasts this mercy uh, with God's severity, scattering the proud, uh, bringing down mighty, sending rich away, but exalting the humble, uh, filling the hungry. And these are all Old Testament ideas. We could uh, go through a lot of the Psalms, actually, and find these ideas, but also this humility that we see in many of the key Old Testament figures. Uh, Moses, who didn't want to really lead the nation out of Israel or out of Egypt. Uh, there was Ruth, who humbled herself to Naomi and Boaz and, and Hannah and David, and we could go on. Uh, so she speaks uh, from uh, history a little bit. God had done things that people said could never be done. He brought down nations that people thought will never come down. But it also has this future meaning to it, as Jesus would teach, especially in the Beatitudes. You know, Blessed are those who weep now, for you'll laugh later on. Blessed are the poor. You, you will inherit uh, the earth. There, there's these, this, this past that, that Mary knows, and she says, yeah, this God is powerful, and, and also this future that she can look at and say, and his power is going to continue. And she mentions that as we get to verse uh, 50, or, uh, yeah, 54, and then 55. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. She's remembering all those things God has done. And as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. She extends this into forever. She uh, goes back to the covenant promise made to Abraham. And in, or in Genesis uh, chapter 12, uh, where God told Abraham, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And, and then that uh, got repeated and built upon a few times as, as the covenant uh, got repeated. And, and uh, to the Gentiles, all the earth will be blessed, generation to generation. And how God spoke uh, about this, this Messiah to the, to the prophets speaking of his covenantal love, his covenantal mercy to his people. And Mary knows that it's all happening right now. Almost like that astronaut that can feel the spaceship starting to shake. She knows now it's really happening. 
her baby is the realization of all these ancient promises that had been made to Abraham. We could even go back to Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve fulfilling the covenant promises and, and here it is. And Mary cries out, holy is his name. God is so far above our sinful state that it could and perhaps should terrify us at times. Just knowing what his nature is and how powerful he is, yet when God comes into the world uh, through Mary, he, he comes to deal with our sin with mercy. His mercy is for those who fear him. He will come again in judgment when all will see and, and the unrepentant will cower in fear because they will see his holiness and they will see his, his power. But as he comes into the world the first time, he comes with mercy. I was listening to a, a sermon uh, that Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, was preaching about this passage and he preached a few of them and he brought up the point that if God were only holy and only sovereign but not merciful, none of us would be here. We would have probably been destroyed long ago but even if we were existed somehow, we would have no song to sing. But God is holy and he is sovereign and he comes with mercy. William Hendrickson writes, that mercy still flows forth from the throne of grace. That covenant promise still holds. The substance of the promise, I will be your God, hence salvation full and free, is realized in the hearts of all those who by sovereign grace and through God-given faith embrace Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that's what we can do. And when we look at Mary's song here, her song of praise, it, it reminds us uh, to do three things. First of all, reflect, like Mary did, reflect on what God has done in your life. Mary did that. She said, I, I know where I came from. And I know who I am. And we can all look back on our life and say, you know, here's what could be. Except that God has worked in my life. He has blessed me. And like Mary, we focus on the holiness and greatness of God. It seems every year I say this and every year it's true. We need that probably now more than ever a people that focuses on who God is and his holiness and his greatness and then praise him for his love, for his mercy, and for this Savior who is born, the one who will save us from our sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Your thoughts are so far above our thoughts. Your ways so much greater than our ways, we can't even imagine it. And Heavenly Father, in your holiness and in your great power, you come to us with mercy. We do thank you for your love. We thank you for this child who was born into the world, this Messiah who would suffer the cruelest of all deaths on the cross and do it for us, that we may be forgiven, that we can see your holiness and your power and your mercy and shout your praise, Heavenly Father. And help us in this Advent season and for the rest of our lives to sing your praise. You are worthy. And you are so loving. And we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, if you will turn to hymn 128, uh, we'll sing verses 1 and 2 of It Came Upon the Midnight Clear. You can stand and... As soon as Becky gets there, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll have her start us out. <laughs> 